0: Hey guys, welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, May 11, 2023. I am Graham Giuseppe Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. Lot to get into here today between a backlash review from the weekend, AEW front, all in update, Miro, Thunder Rosa returning a dynamite on Wednesday, raw review, the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament kicking off on Monday night. Lot to get into with Mr. Marceau momentarily. But before that, though, we got an exclusive interview on the show here today from a couple of weeks ago with WWE Hall of Famer Lita, talking all about the second season of WWE's Most Wanted Treasures on AE, her recent run, returning to the ring, becoming a tag team champion. Trish Stratus's recent actions and where we could see it play out potentially with her involvement... Doesn't look likely at this point, but it's still a possibility at some point. Um, also, her maybe challenging a current active superstar not named Becky Lynch or Tristratus. Who could that be? Well, hear it from Lita herself here in this exclusive interview coming up shortly in audio form. The video is already up on my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. And the article will also be up shortly over on dailyddt.com. You can check out new episodes of the show every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Be sure to review the show, rate the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Like I said before, on the back half of the show will be my conversation with Mr. Marceau, breaking down all the latest in the world of wrestling. But first, my exclusive interview with now former WWE Women's Tag Team Champion, Hall of Famer, Lita. Graham, Jason Matthews, your BleachReport.com, ahead of the Season 2, WWE's Most Wanted Treasures on A&E premiering soon, April 30th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on A&E. we got the second season coming soon. We're talking to one of the hosts on the show, WWE Hall of Famer, Lita. Lita, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I mean, the WWE universe is getting to see a lot of you lately between this show, seeing you on WWE TV, obviously in the last couple of weeks at WrestleMania. But speaking about this show specifically, can you talk about as someone that's been in the business, obviously your entire career, how much did you learn from partaking in this show and all the items that you came across and just kind of any knowledge that you gained coming out of the second season?
1: Oh my gosh. I learned so much Uh, and I'm definitely like a learn by doing kind of person. So it was perfect to be out in the field on an active scavenger hunt, chasing down these pieces. But then, you know, we would bring friends, uh, along with us who, who were attached directly to these items. And they would tell me, you know, where they were, what was going through their head, when, whatever was happening, you know, throughout their career, when like in the piece corresponding with with what we were looking
0: for i mean especially with a show like this we get to see and we got to see it on the first season as well all the cool items that like especially as a lifelong wrestling fan i didn't even know existed or like still out there and i'm sure you're in the same spot as well when you come across this sort of stuff without giving away any spoilers like what was like the coolest thing that you came across during the filming of the show that you were like again either you didn't even know existed or you like didn't even know it was still around or anything along those lines i guess
1: So, okay, there's, there's one, um, part of an episode where we feature the, um, Ultimate Warrior and the very, very, very short-lived tag team of the Ultimate Maniacs, where it is Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man and, um, Warrior would go through such um, really like, you know, we we think of RVD as the airbrush king now in modern times. But uh, Ultimate Warrior was airbrushing things uh, from get go. And um, just to see the intricate details up close um, in in a, in a piece that that and, I mean, it's like two showboats of the Ultimate Warrior and the Macho Man when they combine forces. And so, you know, I'm always like looking at the footage going into these watching the promos that they had Mm. and everything like oh man i missed this chapter i need to go back and watch this (laughs) Um, and then listening to the connection that people people have to that or they're still quoting they have just a couple promos and people are quoting them you know still to this day um and I, i love seeing that like the things that have stood the test of time um but then going deeper back behind that like looking for Roddy's bagpipes you know Mm -hmm. we associate Roddy and his bagpipes but I think of the coconuts like that was like one moment you know one moment one promo but then going back into the history of Roddy was a bagpiper before he was a wrestler and why he thought he should incorporate those and what the bagpipes meant to him and and just you know getting into the mind of somebody about why this item became synonymous with them.
0: Yeah, there's a story behind every item, especially that we don't get to see on screen. That's the whole point of the show. And I think wrestling fans, WWE fans, what have you, some of the most passionate fans on the planet. So, I mean, I can only imagine we got to see it a little bit in the first season, but the process in trying to get these items back into the hands of WWE and trying to acquire them for them. Can you talk to a little bit as far as what you were expecting if you thought it would be easy, more difficult trying to get some of these items back into the WWE warehouse and how difficult it was for some of these fans to part with their precious items, I guess.
1: So difficult, in fact, that we did not bat 1,000, that is for sure, Um, you know. And it's it's a bummer, you know, to be so close, um, know where the item is and not be able to come home with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I don't want to say this to the collectors out there, but I can't fault them because I understand how it it is beyond monetary value. Um, It's beyond an experience to them. Um, It is tied directly to a sweet spot in their childhood, uh, to a thing that they are still passionate about to this day. So I absolutely understand why, but you kind of get that. It's almost like, um, You're chasing that. Like, I wanted to be victorious. I wanted to make that call each time to book. Like, I got it. Um, (laughs) And not every time could I I say that. And, I mean, sometimes it wouldn't be for a reason that the fan wasn't going to give it up. But we would really go through. I mean, and I didn't realize this was part of the job. We would have to actively authenticate everything to make sure that we are bringing back legit memorabilia and so some of the times we would go down a path and we would we would not we would have a fake item you know and, wow. and so that that like that would be disappointing but yet I, it would be a relief because I'm like well you know I don't I don't want to bring this back and try to pass this off as something that that was was real when it's not
0: yeah, no, of course. And I think and everyone can kind of relate to being in that person's shoes and trying to part with something that you've cherished for so long, no matter how long it might be. Is there something of yours, not maybe not even necessarily wrestling-related, that you claim to be your most wanted treasure, that you might be either very difficult or you would be like, all right, I'm never giving this away?
1: Yes, but I did find an appreciation from the show and and seeing how much fans got excited to see these things
0: yep. that
1: when it came to my pieces that, that we do feature in the, um, in the show, I, I know where to find Ben. I know where the warehouse is. I, I did a, in an, an, indefinite loan, you know, like I know it's, but <laughs> good- I would like to see it, but the, but the thought of knowing I can make that call and go, you know what? I want this in my office right, right now, you know, um, felt, Felt like a good compromise.
0: I feel like the next step is just we gotta get the physical hall of fame up and going one of these days. I mean, obviously it's not an easy feat. I mean, that's gotta be something that you would want to see as well, right? Just some place to go visit and see your stuff and everyone else's stuff.
1: I, I would love that. I mean, so we've done two um galleries so far, both at Royal Rumble and at WrestleMania. Yes. Both of fans yeah, would yeah, loved to see that stuff. And and I loved being there watching them, watching them see it. So I mean, I could only imagine having a, a Hall of Fame where where you could walk in and, and see everything and, and maybe bump into one of us that are just as excited to to look at this stuff as well.
0: It feels like it's more a matter of time. Hopefully, at some point down the road, we get to see that. Like you said, around WrestleMania weekend, we kind of see it at access and stuff like that. And it's amazing. But to get a physical Hall of Fame we can visit at any point during the year, I think would be pretty cool. But, you know, talking about yeah. WrestleMania... We got to see you recently back in the ring for Mania. We thought you were done last year. You have the match with uh, Becky Lynch in Saudi Arabia, Elimination Chamber, a fantastic match. You're back a year later, back in the thick of things. Not only that, but winning a championship alongside Becky every week on Raw, competing at Mania. Can you just talk a little bit about the run and how it's felt for you so far?
1: Yeah, so far it's it's been pretty incredible. And it's and it's weird because it it's as foreign as it feels like the first time coming back like oh what am i doing here it's like it does start to feel like an old shoe like pretty quickly where yeah. you know once i'm back on the road i'm like oh yeah i remember this life um but it, it's it's so it feels very familiar yet very new at the same time with the deep locker room of, of women that are so talented multiple women's matches every night to, to be able to post up and watch um and yeah, just the possibilities seem really limitless with the the players and the character development with everybody. Um, damage control was incredible to work with, and then now as things have branched off with um, Becky and and Trish, I just feel like it's all the more interesting to um, to figure out where how this is going to all play out.
0: Well, like you said, that's the new direction. Becky and Trish have coming off what we saw last week, the attack on you from Trish backstage. She admitted that on Raw this past week. It's cool, especially for a fan. It's not over a championship. Like, you guys just lost the tag team titles. It's just the personal rivalry, the role that you'll play in it probably going forward. Just talk about that a little bit, because I feel like some of the best feuds that we've seen, men, women, doesn't matter, are not over a championship. And I feel like it's become more rare for whatever reason in the last couple of years for the women to get a non-title storyline like this, of this caliber. And it's super cool to see as a fan. So just want to get your thoughts on that. Like you and Trish people know that feud, one of the greatest feuds of all time, not necessarily all the time over a championship.
1: Yeah. I mean, and and we would always be big proponents of that. We're like, we got to put some emotion in there and, and we would constantly be throwing out ideas um, and something like this makes sense. I mean, you look at two very, um, iconic storylines in Rey Mysterio's career, both the, uh, the custody angle and then coming <laughs> full circle to, um, you know, his, his emotional battle with, 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 Dominic. And so, I mean, it's just like, I think fans, they, they want to, um, get involved, you know, they want to be told this story and sure, championship is great, you know? Um, but that's, a, that's built in. Um, and then so to, to have a high profile storyline where it is just uh, emotional based. And there are so many different ways. The history is so rich with, you know, over two decades with Trish. Uh, I've mentored Becky from as soon as she's come up from the main roster. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of in, in the middle between between these two and to see how things can play out. Um, there's just so many different ways it could go. And I think it keeps the fans on their toes. They like to fantasy book it and try to say what's going to happen. But, um, you know.
0: I don't think any of us really, truly know what's going to happen until it happens. And that, those are the best stories when you don't know what's going to happen next. So we'll see what, where it goes from here. But for yourself, you've had a nice mix in the last year. You went for the Raw Women's Championship last year. Again, involved in non-title stuff this year. Obviously, you were one half of the tag team champions. But the match at WrestleMania, not a not a title match. It was just a standard six-woman tag. And it was a great match on night two or night one, rather, of WrestleMania. Okay. Uh, and, and just talking about that for you, I would I talk to uh, Trish last month and she kind of said something similar as far as not really putting like a retirement label on anything like this is my last match, just coming back for when it's fun and for when it makes sense. Are you in a similar spot or do you want like I, I, I want a retirement match at this point? I want this to be it or is it kind of a bit of both, I guess.
1: I mean, I really felt that my match with Becky in Saudi Arabia felt like a really nice retirement match that I did not anticipate having that opportunity. Um, And and I felt really satisfied with the whole full circle uh, moment of that, of kind of paving the way for some women on the front end in the United States going to when um, the relationship was established in Saudi Arabia. Women weren't even allowed to come to the matches and then there were no women performing, going Mm to featured match where Becky and I were on billboards all over the kingdom you know it was just felt really um poetic and I felt really happy with that match yeah so i feel good um with that and then this just kind of feels like bonus time
0: yeah no exactly and anything honestly anything beyond that is just the icing on the cake even i mean obviously even if you didn't come back for that run it still would have been great but coming back for that <laughs> What we get to see you now is awesome. Uh, going forward, I mean, obviously, we have this stuff going on with Becky and Trish. No one knows what's going to happen, like you said. Looking beyond that, if the opportunity presents itself, Rhea Ripley just won the SmackDown Women's Championship. I know you've mentioned before on Broken Skull Sessions, she's someone that you uh, you know like her work and you think she, you're a big fan of her work. Is that a match that interests you at some point, maybe over that championship on the blue brand?
1: Yeah, I actually just saw an interview where where. Rhea threw that back out there, a single match against against me. Um, yeah, I would want the. I know we just talked about how matches can be really great without titles. Yeah. However, I would want that one to to involve <laughs> the, yeah. the title. Um, but yeah, she's an incredible talent. Um, I, I would love. I would love um, to work with her because it would it would really push me. You know, it would push me to get beyond my comfort zone, and I feel like I've been. Um, satisfied with what I've done um, in in this chapter but I, I would love to see how far I could take it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like if you look at everyone on the roster right now in the women's division, Becky Lynch, I feel like a lot of people would say is the most similar to you right now. Re if she's one A, Rhea Ripley's like one B. So I feel like that's the match that just makes the most sense. But hopefully, at some point, we get to see that down the road. But as we wind down here, later, just talking about most wanted treasures one more time. You talked about stuff that you may not want to part with and stuff like that. If there was an item from your career that you could that you no longer have, lost, you don't know where it is. If you could find it, what would that be?
1: Well, I had a really unfortunate incident happen where I had a bunch of my stuff stolen and then sold and I didn't find out until after it was sold. And so I would really love to recover that because I don't know if you've ever had like a home invasion. This not That wasn't this scenario, but it's like mm-hmm. how you just feel violated and it's not the item being gone. It's just the fact that it was stolen from me and mm-hmm. then sold would i would love to get it back just um to to feel whole you know and and also it's just yeah just to see everything out there um i mean stuff that was just like i I was saying sometimes i would cut shirts up and leave them at the the locker room that's that's on me (laughs) but um, (laughs) yeah stuff back that um is out there um i I i would love to be able to do that
0: well, anything is possible through Most Wanted Treasures that we're going to see you on this second season, like I said, premiering next Sunday on a April 30th. Yourself, Mick Foley, it's going to be a great time. Uh, it's a whole bunch of guests on the show that we're going to see throughout the season. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Booker T as well, obviously. So we look forward to it. Uh, Lita, this is very much an honor. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Big thanks to Lita for the time. Like I said earlier, you can check out the video version of that interview right now over on youtube.com backslash WrestleRant and the article version coming soon in the next couple days over to dailyddt.com. My interview next week will be with Stone Cold Steve Austin right back here on WrestleRant Radio. The uh, video already dropped a couple of weeks ago on youtube.com backslash WrestleRant, so subscribe for all the interviews there first. And the article already dropped over on Bleach Report, also from about two weeks ago, so check it out if you haven't already. That being said, we'll throw it to my conversation now with Mr. Marceau, breaking down backlash and everything else in between from the last week in wrestling. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? Doing well, how are you? I'm doing well. Like I said, we have a lot to get into between backlash and everything else from the last week. And we have Double or Nothing coming up in a couple of weeks. We got all in at the end of the uh, summer. Money in the Bank coming up. Saudi Arabia now of Champions at the end of the month. Uh, we we are crowning our inaugural World Heavyweight Champion there. A lot to get into. A lot to discuss. Uh, first of all, we got we got to start with Backlash, though. Backlash was a very big show last weekend. That was the first thing before anything else AEW-related, which we'll save for the end. Uh, we did our predictions last week here on the show. I thought the event was excellent, actually. I thought it was a really good event overall. Hot crowd in Puerto Rico. Some really good matches. Um, a show-stealing, you know, uh, match-of-the-year contender, and not even really because it was an amazing, like, match bell-to-bell, but the bells, the whistles, everything else in between, with Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. Carlito coming out to a stone-cold-level reaction. A great time, pal. Uh, Just give me your overall impressions of Backlash before we kind of get into the weeds here of the show, and just your thoughts on how much the crowd enhanced that event in SmackDown the night before in Puerto Rico and San Juan specifically.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think... Similar to like when we were in Montreal, I feel like the crowd definitely made it a lot better than it probably was. I mean, I think the show on, I mean, Backlash as a whole, I thought was a really good show. But if you put that crowd in Raw from Jacksonville on Backlash, people have been like, "Uh, hmm, decent show, whatever." But mm-hmm. no, I mean, this is kind of what happens. You go to like foreign markets or just markets that don't get it as often. And when you don't get it as often, obviously, when you get it, you're gonna go crazy. Like these people. I think besides probably probably occasional house shows, I haven't got a main paper in over 15 years. So, I mean, they were hot. I think they also did well with, like, who they featured. I mean, they had Vega, Priest, Bad Bunny, had some people with some Puerto Rican ties. And, I mean, they basically adopted EOS Sky as well. So, um But no, the crowd was phenomenal both
0: nights. Let's get into it. EO Sky challenging in the opening match on the show for the Raw Women's Championship. Bianca Belair, who's now on SmackDown, by the way. No update on the belt swap, which does give me hope that they will indeed resign in the championships. And I was not optimistic that was going to be the case just because WWE has a tendency to not really do what makes sense in these sort of situations. But so far, no word on it. I mean, that doesn't mean they are going to do the right thing, but it does give me hope that if they were going to do a belt swap, they would have done it by now. Um, but regardless, Bianca and Io Sky opened the pay-per-view. Really good match, not a completely clean match. There were some you know, awkward moments and whatnot, but overall, really, really good match. Takeover level to me. And uh, Bianca Belair not only winning, but becoming the longest reigning women's champion of the modern era, in Michael Cole's words. Um, I guess fuck Mandy Rose and Shayna Baszler and Asuka and the women that held the NXT Women's Championship for longer, but I mean, I guess, I, obviously they're talking about the main roster, but it's it's just comical when they ignore their own company's history. Um, Very weird, but Bianca has officially surpassed all of those records as far as the longest reigning Raw Women's Champion, SmackDown Women's Champion uh, of the modern era, in their own words. I know Trish Stratus was the WWE Women's Champion for like a year and three months, back in 05, 04, 06, whatever it was. Um, so she has yet to break that record. Maybe she will face Trish at some point. Or actually, Trish is on Raw, Bianca's on SmackDown. That's not going to happen. But the real takeaway here is what you mentioned before, the, kind of the crowd adopting Neo Sky in a way, in the, in the sense that they, they really took her in as their own. I mean, you would think that she was from Puerto Rico from the great reaction she got here. So obviously, it's just the case of, Uh, San Juan knows talent, because she's awesome, and, you know, they were hot for a lot of people on the show, between Rollins, among other people, but Io Sky was just on another level, man, and maybe just stood out more because she hasn't gotten reactions like that since she's been in the main roster, and, you know, it's not for a lack of talent or whatever, but damage controls largely sucked, in the sense they've been booked really poorly, she hasn't really been showcased a lot on her own, she's had some good showings on Raw and triple threats and whatnot, multi-women matches, but this was really the first time we got to see the EOSky of old. The Io Shirai of NXT fame. And obviously before that from Japan as well. Um, a stellar showing from Sky, even in defeat. I didn't mind the finish just because it does set up hopefully further tension within the ranks of damage control. If it doesn't go anywhere, then I do have an issue with it. But um, I'm hoping it will and it leads to more of a split between Sky, Kai, and Bayley. Um, your thoughts on the match and the reaction received by Eosky here?
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, it seemed like Io was like the adopted daughter of Puerto Rico that night. I mean, it was a great reaction. Like you said, I feel like I don't know if it's a snarkier crowd or just people that are, just, like you said, are just crazy. But like, I mean, Io is amazing, and I feel like she hasn't got that response since being in the main roster. Maybe it helped that she was also originally, with the beginning of the match, was by herself. Like, they didn't have damage control, kind of mucking it up. But uh, no, they they kind of gave her the praise that she deserved. I mean, she's amazing in the ring and. We have seen that in raw matches but like you said we just haven't got that reaction not uh, that many people have probably seen her work actually but she is great and I thought she put on a great performance here. Like you said I didn't love the finish just cuz there was this like oh damage control like oh know, I feel like they just didn't need to get involved but it is what it is and like you said maybe it'll just tease more tension maybe she'll accidentally cost them the tag titles this weekend on smack or tomorrow night on smackdown and kind of tease the break from there but I thought Io was great here, Bianca winning. I guess that's fine, but I mean, Io deserves gold around her waist very soon.
0: It was an obvious indicator that they do need to break her off on her own and really push her to the moon on SmackDown, hopefully at some point. Obviously not dethroning Bianca unless they build to a rematch, which would be totally fine by me. Um, At this point, it's pretty apparent to me they're keeping the belt on Bianca until Charlotte Flair comes back, likely to do Flair and Belair. um, No rhyme intended. For SummerSlam a little bit later on in the summer, so... Um, that would make sense. You could do the damage control storyline in the meantime. And it was pretty evident to me... It was weird, because Bailey came out wanting to help EO um, win, although her inadvertent... Inter- I mean, actually, completely on-purpose interference was what cost her the win. She had EO Sky's name kind of, like, written in the back of her head, so it's not like she was costing EO the championship. Why would she show support in that way? But it was pretty evident that Dakota Kai wanted nothing to do with it. She was actually trying to stop Bailey from going to the ring, so... Interesting dynamic. I like the little touches there and attention to detail. We'll see where it goes starting tomorrow night on SmackDown. Uh, next match on the show Seth freaking Rollins and Omas. Uh, a surprisingly decent match. Rollins carrying Omas to a pretty passable match here. Uh, not to say Omas was awful. He's just not great. He's just, too, he's just way too fucking big. And, um, you know, he, he's just, he's fine. He, he's gotten better from where he was, but he's not great by any stretch. And this is now two pay-per-views in a row where he's had two passable matches between this one and the Brock match at WrestleMania. This was a bit more competitive. Um, He had a different dynamic with Rollins than he did with Brock. But uh, Rollins made the most of it. You know, he kicked out of two curb stomps, which I did not love, did Omos, but ended up falling to the third one from the top rope. I thought that was a well-done finish. And the crowd, absolutely, beyond hot and behind Seth Rollins. Um, So this was uh, kind of exceeded my expectations as being a pretty decent matchup.
2: No, I thought this was really good. Like you said, I think it was like another Omos match that was good. Um, I think, I don't know if it's just, it's just, he's better with like big man, little man like sizing, but I just thought this was a good match. I think, Ron, like you said, Ron's like kind of fed him a little bit. He's not great in the ring, so obviously he has his flaws, but for what his flaws were, I think they did pretty well to go around them. And he looked decent. Like you said, I think his biggest problem is he just is too big. I mean, there's nothing he can change about that, but. I mean, with his size and his limited in-ring ability, I think Rollins did well. He said, I didn't mind him kicking out of the two curb stomps. I think it kind of set up for the finish of the one off the top, but I thought he like said very passable for him because usually his matches are horrible, but uh, I think Rollins did well here, and they just, whoever aged in it as well, I just felt like it was a very good big man, little man dynamic with Rollins going over.
0: I think the biggest surprise is that Omos, and I'm not complaining, is not in the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. Um, you know, he was not on the Raw side. I mean, I guess he's a free agent, so technically he probably shouldn't be. But they've been so high on Omos for the last couple of months between the Brock feud, this, he fought, he faced Braun and Braun's first real big pay-per-view match back back at Crown Jewel. So he's all over the shows. That will not change anytime soon, uh, considering that he is a free agent and is has increased visibility on both brands, according to WWE. So it is what it is. Um, Triple Threat Match, Austin Theory again retaining in a Triple Threat Match as he did at Survivor Series when he won the championship. The exact the exact finish that you thought they would do, it was uh, pretty expected in the sense that Theory is a chicken-shit heel champion, which, I mean... I'm glad he beat Cena, we talked about this over text. It's just a fucking waste. I mean, he does not feel any more special. He feels less special now or as big of a star um, than he did even a month ago. A month ago, or two months ago, actually. Uh, It was a really good match, though, him, Bronson, Reed, Bobby Lashley. Great work from all three, specifically Bronson. I don't like that Bronson got pinned, but, you know, they're not going to pin Bobby, so whatever. I think Bronson has some real potential, in my opinion. But uh, this was a real good match with the expected finish. I don't really know what they, I mean, we've talked about it before, what they can really do to reheat up Austin Theory again. Um, He just is kind of there right now. Um, we'll see what SmackDown has in store for him, but uh, this was a really good match, if nothing else.
2: No, I thought this was a good match, like you said, I mean, I called the finish, I knew this exactly was gonna happen, and it did, I mean, he basically capitalized on someone else, threw Bobby out of the ring, and pinned pinned Bronson here, but, I don't know, it's like one of those things, like, I feel like he clearly is a focal point, like, he's on the SmackDown banner for the show, like, he is, like, they're one of their longer reigning champions recently, like, like I said to you before, it's just the way he's booked, like, I don't even know if I would call him a chicken shit, because it's not like he really is a chicken shit heel, it's just like, the way he wins, it's just like, it's not even like cheating, That's I guess that's another thing too, it's like, he's not even like he's cheating to win Like as a heel, he's just like, picking up the scraps, and like I said, it's a, it's not even a chicken shit, just like a weak push, it's, I don't even know how to describe it, it's not even like he's weakly pushed because he keeps winning, but it's like... It's, like, fluky. That's the word I'm looking for. Like, he gets mm. these fluky wins. So, it's, like, yeah, he beat Cena, but, like, he cheated. He beat, cheated, beat Cena. So like, okay. But, like I said, like, every other time he's won, like, the Logan Paul interference helped him beat Rollins. He didn't do anything in the Rumble that, like, really stood out. He beat the Survivor Series because, I don't even know. Someone hit a finish, he threw them out of the ring. I think it was the same thing. I think Bobby hit Seth with a spear, and he threw him out the ring, and then he pinned Rollins. So, I mean, I think it's one of those things. He just needs to get more consistent wins by just winning and not kind of being fluky and kind of. It's not like all. It's not like the edge, like ultimate opportunist. I feel like it's just like, like I said, it's like he's not making an opportunity. Just like it's just a fluke, and no one, no one really cares. I feel like he needs more dominant wins or just a more dominant presence for people to care about him. Like I yeah. said, he's won. He's won a. He's a loss in forever. So mm-hmm. it's not even like you can say it's like him booking-wise, like, winning and losing. It's more like, I guess, the way he's winning and, or losing.
0: Yeah, and it's not even like he's overly heelish or, like, doing enough to get a lot of heat or, like, being aggressive or intense or slimy. He's just kind of winning by happenstance, and he's never the focal point, like you said. Off the top of your head, looking at the SmackDown landscape, I know he's already feuded with Bobby. I don't want to see them run that back. You know, you think of Edge, AJ Styles... Um, you know Romans on the show, but he's a bit, he's a heel. I'm trying to think of other baby faces on SmackDown that are still there. Gary and Cross and L.A. are both heels. Off the top of your head, is there anyone that you want to see Theory work with on Friday nights going forward? I know he's involved in this World Championship tournament, so maybe something happens with him. And Styles and Styles beats him in the fi- the semifinals on SmackDown, and then AJ goes on to win the tournament. We'll get to the tournament stuff a little bit later on. But is there an obvious name from SmackDown that you would like to see work with Theory next?
2: Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think Edge would be perfect, like I said. I feel like, I don't know if you could tie into, like, the ultimate opportunist thing and, like, him, like, saying he's not. He's just, like I said, like, winning fluky. Do him and Edge, I think, would be good. Him and AJ. I said, more credible people for him to beat, like I said, actually beating them would be. Well, like I said, even at least winning, like, a heel does. Like I said, like, cheating or something, like, fine. But, like, when you just win because it just happens or circumstance, it just doesn't really people care. So, I think Edge and AJ definitely stick out. Um, there's Ray. There's too many other big baby faces right now that I think of. But I think hmm. AJ and, and Edge would be perfect.
0: Per. I know he just beat him on the night after WrestleMania on that post WrestleMania Raw. But uh, Ray Mysterio is another option as well. He's on the Raw. He's on the SmackDown roster. I kind of forgot about him, so he's another option if they wanted to go down that route at some point. Uh, Rhea Ripley, the SmackDown Women's Champion on Raw, um, at Backlash beating Zelina Vega from obviously Puerto Rico. She has ties there, which if <clears throat> you couldn't tell based on the reaction she received in front of this crowd. They went nuts for her. A nice little match here. They worked well together. The classic David versus Goliath dynamic. Um, Good stuff. I think Zelina Vega, you know, I've said in the past, she doesn't really do much for me as a wrestler. I think she's always really thrived as a manager. That being said, I'm really happy she got her moment here. Um, she even said this was like the coolest thing that she's ever experienced with the reaction and whatever she may never win a singles championship she probably doesn't even need to but you know between the managerial stuff she's been queen of the ring tag team champion having this opportunity she's put together a real nice career for herself in WWE for a woman that got fired for several months for the whole Twitch bullshit a couple of years ago so great to see her back and doing this sort of stuff Rhea winning was never really in doubt. I mean, there was a chance they could have changed the title and done an upset. That would have been silly, even given the hometown reaction. Uh, Rhea just became champion. She should hold on to it for a while. But I enjoyed this, and I thought, again, the, the the crowd really rallying behind Zelina made this as fun as it was. And it wouldn't have been the same literally anywhere else aside from Puerto Rico.
2: No, this was this was really good, too. I think similar to Omas and Seth, but I think this was done even better. Um, like you said, David Goliath really... I mean, Rhea really dominated this match, but Zelina got, like, picked her spots and like, kind of got some hope spots in there. The crowd was going nuts, but it was more like her capitalizing on Rhea just like taunting her, kind of like making some mistakes, but no, I thought this was a very good match. I liked Io and Bianca a little bit better, but I did think this was a good match as well. Like I said, it was like the typical David vs. Goliath. Zelina would pick her spots, use her speed. Um, Rhea just a little overconfident in certain spots, but no, I think... The crowd was behind her, just like that gut-wrenching, like, is she going to win? And then Rhea just ripped her through the ring and and pinned her. I like like how she got her moment after the match, but like you said, Rhea losing never really crossed my mind.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think Rhea has really put together a great string of matches in a short period of time between winning the Rumble, her great performance there, the awesome match with Charlotte at WrestleMania, now Zelina on this pay-per-view. We'll talk about what's next for her in our Raw review coming up shortly, but, you know, not exactly optimistic, but as long as they keep re-rolling, that's all that matters to me. Uh, Bad Bunny, Damian Priest. I mean, what more can be said about the San Juan street fight between these two? It was pro-wrestling to me at its finest, and that it was completely overbooked. Fucking crazy in certain spots. um, But this is what I love about when they do it right. WWE does it perfectly, at least to me. I mean, it's one of those matches you could say... Again, so much going on, interference city, but when you got a crowd like this, given the circumstances, to me, when the stars align, it works. And it, to me here, it worked. Um, I thought Bad Bunny really held his own, did another great job, but you got to give the devil, I guess, his due in the sense that Priest did a fantastic job. And I say the devil is in the heel because we all know he's great. Um, you know, we've spoken to Damien before, he's really good. And I'm glad to see him finally getting his flowers. Damian Priest is really, really good. I talked about it on hashtag yesterday as far as what his ceiling is, what they could see his ceiling being. I saw from PW Insider, I think yesterday or on Tuesday, um, that they see him as a bigger deal now than they did before. Now that could be hot air because you know PW Insider also said last year that Caring Cross was the number two SmackDown on. A number two heel on SmackDown, although we never ever felt like that. So this could be short-lived. But it was notable that he wasn't pinned during that triple threat on Raw on Monday. But before we get to Priest himself, just talking about the match, we had Savio Vega in there. More specifically to me, I know you popped as well. Carlito coming out to a stone cold level reaction. And the fact that it wasn't spoiled at all prior to the pay-per-view was what made it really special for me. Um that was fucking cool. Lost my almost lost my voice watching this from home, which says something. So uh, give me your thoughts on the street fight and how uh, well or not well, in your opinion, it was put together.
2: No, I thought this was good. I really liked it. I think specifically when you have a guy that's, I don't know how big Priest is, but he's a big guy. I mean, you got him, him versus a celebrity. I think it made sense, like the weapons, like so obviously Bunny would need that. And like you so said, the interference to win. I mean, he's a celebrity, Priest has probably got a hundred pounds on him, let alone. So I thought they picked their spots. It wasn't too over the top with the weapons, like you said. He right when Bunny had Priest at his most vulnerable, that's when the Judgment Day came out, and that's what led to Ray. And I mean, when Carlito came out, I fell off my bed, i um, was <laughs> like, crazy. And then so, Savio, I mean, didn't really do too much for me. I mean, it wasn't like a huge '90s Raw guy, but mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a good homage to uh, to that kind of generation as well. So I thought it was done well. I didn't love the – I don't really care for the Canadian Destroyer. I guess that was, like, my only non – I mean, I don't love it in general people doing it, let alone Bad Bunny. But uh, besides that, I thought the match was really good. Um, like you said, I think Priest gets, should get a lot more credit than, than he does. I feel like this kind of was his finally, like, his breakout performance for the Judgment Day. I feel like he kind of was, like, the third wheel or fourth wheel, technically. I think Rhea and, and Dom were kind of, like, a pair, and they were doing well. Finn was doing – Pretty well, and Priest was kind of just there. He's just kind of like the heavy, but I think, like you said on Raw, he didn't get pinned and looked good, and he looked really good in this match too. So hopefully, this will give him uh kind of the uh, push that he needs to be like more of a guy on his own, or just like uh, someone that they look at more than just uh just a heavy.
0: And it's interesting too because he was kind of at that level already a couple of years ago. I mean, I love the Judgment Day stuff. I think he's done well on that group. It was the best thing for him at the time that he joined a year ago. But let's not forget, when he first came up to the main roster, he was pushed pretty aggressively. Like, it's not like they've never seen him as a star. I mean, he came into the Rumble, had a good performance. He teamed with Bad Bunny, which was a pretty lucrative spot to be in two years ago for a newcomer from NXT. Made the most out of that opportunity. Had great matches on Raw. Uh, Beat everyone, went undefeated for a long time. Won the United States Championship at SummerSlam from Sheamus. Had a six-month run. And as I've said before, they kind of went wrong with him as far as the... When they started doing the split personality crap, which Project, never really uh, yeah, worked. I was. Wait for you to
2: done, but yeah. yeah, when they did the split personality thing, it was when it really went down
0: for him. Yeah, and he lost a lot of momentum. People stopped caring. He lost the championship. And again, he was in purgatory only for really about a month. Because then he joined Judgment Day soon after, and then it was back on the ascent. But he didn't even have a WrestleMania match. This was his WrestleMania. Um, do you see Damien Priest? Could you see him do you and could you see him as a world champion in WWE? We know that he has what it takes to be a mid-car champion. We know that. We've seen that before. But as a world champion, now with two titles, do you think that day could come where they see Damien Priest as a future world champion on the Raw roster?
2: I think it's possible. Um, I don't know if it's definitely going to happen, but I think he can be. I mean, he's not a spring chicken on any means. But, uh, no, I think he can. I I think it's depending on... I think the circumstance would have to depend more on it, but uh, like, if you're saying could he be one, I think so.
0: Yeah, I think with the right booking, I mean, the guy's got the size, he can talk, he's got the voice. If you book him properly, protect him enough. And again, like I said earlier, the way they position him in that triple threat on Monday, the fact that he was even in the tournament is awesome. He deserved that. I mean, he was also winning a lot prior to Backlash as well, so it makes sense that he'd be in there. The Miz being in there, for example... He's in there, what, because he's a former world champion? I mean, the guy has not won a match in, like, fucking six months. It makes no sense. But the fact that um, Priest was in there and got did not get pinned, and he had an out for losing, too. He came out, like, in, looking injured and looking hurt. Um, but they pinned Nakamura instead, who's been protected since he came back. That speaks volumes to me. So I hope they can capitalize off of this. It's not a one-week thing where they look at him in a different light for a week or two, and then he goes back to being just another guy in Judgment Day. To me, at this point, I don't think it's really much of a stretch I think he might have a higher ceiling in the main. Again, this is not really saying much because it's pretty obvious. But I think there's more of a chance that he can thrive at a main event level at this point than Finn Balor. Now, I know Finn Balor was in the semifinals of the tournament on Monday's Raw, but Balor's a guy at this point. If they haven't put the world title back on him yet, they're never going to. I mean, he's been on the main roster on and off for what five or six years now, almost seven years. And he's going back to NXT for a few years, but. You know, it was still he was he was he's been on the main roster for the better part of the last six or seven years. He won the world title once for a day, he got hurt, and he was never, ever at that level again. They've come close, he's been in pay-per-view main events, he's contended for world championships, he's come close like he did on Monday. I just think they see him at a certain level. Damian Priest doesn't have that Dolph Ziggler I mean not that Balor has the Ziggler stench, but you know, there's certain people that are around for so long that you'll never see them at that main event level again. I guess Kofi was that had that same issue, but then he kind of rose above it because that was a different story. Damian Priest has only been in the main roster now for two years and has not been booked poorly enough, where I can't see him as a world champion. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. Like you said, I agree. I don't think it's a guarantee, but it's certainly a possibility and something I would like to see at some point down the road. Uh, the Bloodline-Matt Riddle-Owen Zane, six-man tag team match was never going to follow the street I mean, they were put in a tough spot. They still had a really good match. To me, it was less about the match, which was kind of like, you know, raw quality. It was more about the storytelling with Solo Sokoa and Jay Uso. The chop across the chest. The crowd was kinda quiet up until that point. But when Solo tagged in and then Jay tagged right back in seconds later was really well done. I was expecting a loss here. They did not lose. It was again the bloodline going over, putting heat on uh, solo Sokoa pal. That that's what this was all about. Good match. I am very curious to see what happens tomorrow night on Smackdown with the bloodline though. What were your thoughts on this and where we're headed?
2: Like you said, I think the match itself was like fine. It was more raw quality, or it was a TV match. But like you said, I think the continued dissension between Solo and Jay specifically was was really done well. Here, like you said the tag in, and then when he grabbed Jay, like he was gonna spike him, like the crowd went fucking nuts. Um, but yeah, tomorrow night Roman's back on SmackDown, so I guess we'll see some more there. But the match itself, fine. Shock they won, honestly. I thought they'd lose here, and the kind of that would kind of. Like, continue the dissension, but, I mean, they won here. Get some more heat on Solo, pal, and we'll see what happens tomorrow
0: night. Yeah, looking forward to seeing what happens. Um, that being said, I kind of talked about it a little bit on Hashtag. I just got done talking about it earlier with Randy, actually. With the Bloodline stuff, are you still... I- I'm invested, but, I mean, it obviously, to me, peaked at Mania. I still think whatever they're gonna do next with the bloodline, it didn't need the world title. I think I still maintain I'm not gonna complain about it every week, but I will say it again here. I don't think Roma needed to retain it Mania. I mean what's done is done. To to tell this next stage of the story. Um, especially if it's maybe headed to Roman and Jay. I don't think that's happening at some I don't think it's happening at all anytime soon. Maybe Solo and Jay. Where where do you think this goes? Do you think the Usos do indeed break off now that they are no longer the tag team champions? Do you think that uh, they'll just get back on the same page? I just fear that they're going to drag this out until it's. I mean, it's it's mildly interesting now. I am invested, not as much as I was a month or two ago. Um, I just feel like it, they might drag it out to a point where literally everyone would just wants it to end, and I just don't want it to get to that point.
2: Um, I think. I mean, I think I'm a fan of them more than most people, so I feel like I, I've been enjoying it. I mean. I can understand where people are coming from and it is kind of like, depending, like you said, I don't think Roman needs a belt to tell the story, so I guess like, if you're that's what you're asking, then no, I mean, I don't think that's that was definitely needed. Um, but no, I'm intrigued. Like I said, I, I'm not really sure exactly where it goes next. Like I said, I don't know if it's going to be Solo and, and Jay or Roman and Jay. I really don't know. I feel like that's kind of what I think, if we knew exactly where it was going, I think that's what would make it kind of more stale and people would be like, ugh, like, to move on but like i feel like there's so many pro- they've done so well with the story that it's just you never know what's going to happen next so i guess it's like even though it hasn't played out pretty long i feel like that's what's kept most people's attention so i'm not quite sure i think we'd probably get solo and jay f- first I, I assume but i mean like i said it's hard, it's hard to say because roman's not on tv a lot and we really haven't got too too much progression after mania besides like hayman kind of like Nudging at the Usos that like they need to do better, like Roman's kind of getting sick of them, and mm-hmm. then well, what we saw on, on Sunday, so or Saturday night, so I'm not quite sure, but I think if I was, if you're asking for a definite or like what I think is gonna happen, I would say Jay and Solo would be next. Yeah,
0: yeah, probably. Where do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I real I, I I I I can't really ask you for definite answer because I don't have a definite answer myself. Like, do you save that for SummerSlam? Do you do it at? you know, in London for Money in the Bank. I'm not really sure. There's really no obvious endgame you know, here. It
2: really depends on what they do with Roman, I guess. <laughs> like, that's yeah. where you grow. Like, if they do J versus Solo, and, like, the whole point is, like, him to beat Solo to then get the Roman, like, then, then it would probably be him and Roman at SummerSlam. But, like I said, we don't really know. Like, Roman's kind of in limbo because we really don't know what he's doing. Like, he doesn't have, like, any definite challengers right now. So... It really depends on what, and then we also don't know who's going to lose the belt to. So I guess that's another thing. It's like, there isn't a clear cut. Like we thought, oh, like Drew's going to beat him. No. Oh, Sammy's going to beat him. No. Cody's going to beat him. No. So it's like, there isn't really a definite person to beat him. So it's not really sure like where it's going.
0: That's the thing. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm intrigued and I'm also worried. I'm intrigued because we don't know where it's going, but I'm worried because I feel like they may not know where it's going after WrestleMania. I feel like they had the end game in mind with Sammy and Owens and them leaving the bloodline, or Sammy leaving the bloodline, and whatever, and the Usos uh, taking the L, and, and getting heat from Roman, and whatever, and we'll see that tomorrow night, because we haven't really seen them interact at all since WrestleMania, <clears throat> aside from that post-WrestleMania Raw, so, I don't know, hopefully they have a plan in mind, and hopefully it's good, That that's my only thing, Um, with with Roman Reigns again, he's back tomorrow on SmackDown, we'll go back to Backlash in a moment, but He's on SmackDown tomorrow. Do you think he's just there to further the bloodline thing? Or, in addition to, actually, do you think he's also there, in addition to that, to set up what he's doing at Night of Champions? I mean, it's the thousandth day that he's Universal Champion. is literally the day of Night of Champions. If he doesn't even if he's not on that show, then what the fuck are we even doing here? Why would he even be back right now if he wasn't? Um, if so, what do you think he does on that show? I mean, I guess my question is, who does he defend against? Uh, you have AJ, you have Bobby Lashley. Do they do something in one of those triple threats to set that match up? Is it someone else? Is it Jay? I mean, where do you think they go next with Roman? Cody or not Cody? I still think that's the end game, but they're not doing it in Saudi Arabia. That's already been confirmed because Cody's facing Brock. Um, what do you think is next for Roman as far as who his next challenger is? <sighs> oh, Putting you on the spot, pal.
2: I know, you always do this, and I hate it. Um, I don't know, that's the problem. Like I said, like i wish i knew like i said people say like oh if they knew it, it would be boring but it's like i wish i knew what like i wish i did but i don't and it's like predictable like i don't know what they're gonna do it's so like if the, i just don't know like you said i don't know if they know i think they do i hope they do i just don't know at this point what's gonna happen like if i just don't like i just don't know if like is cody gonna be the one or like Technically, if it's gonna be a thousand days, like maybe they could just do him and Jay. But like, I don't know if that's the direction they're going. like, technically, he, Jay was the first one he beat after he won the belt originally. So it's like on his thousandth day beat Jay. So again, like, does he lose the belt to Jay? I, I I mean, I have like legit no idea. Like maybe him and Solo. Like I don't I, I don't know. <laughs> I hate this question because I really <laughs> fucking don't know. But, like maybe Solo sides with the Usos and helps them win. I don't know. Like I feel like there's so many. Un- there's So many things you just don't really know. Like maybe they tell Solo, "Like, look, he's just using you," and Solo finally gets a grip unless listens to brothers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, there's so many different directions. And I feel like when people say it's stale, it's like, how can it be stale? And there's like, I understand that like there hasn't been too much progression, but like when there's so many possibilities that could possibly happen that are interesting, I don't know how it could be stale unless you just don't like who's in the story but yeah. I just feel like there's so many different directions specifically with the bloodline like I said like maybe they do him and Solo with Jay or maybe they decide they tell Solo that him and Heyman and Roman are just using him and then he turns on Roman I mean I, I really don't know so I think I just and I also like I said Bobby and AJ would make sense for Night of Champions but they're also in the triple threat so like how would you set that up like is Roman going to cost them the World Heavyweight title like why would he care so Um... You also gotta set this up
0: quick, too, because the the pay-per-view's in two weeks from Saturday.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he should be on the show, so, I... I mean, like you said, if he's... Thousandth Day and he's not on the show, it's kind of dumb. So, I think there'll be something, but I just don't quite know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out tomorrow, so it's gonna be null and void tomorrow. I think it is likely that it's something of what you're saying, that it's an an extension of the Bloodline stuff, or it's another non-title thing, but again, to have Roman on the show, but not defend his belt on the Thousandth Day would be pretty fucking silly. Um I think you should defend it. I don't know how you set up him and AJ or Bobby, but if they're in the tournament tomorrow, you can figure it out. The J thing, again, I just don't want anything to be... Whatever he does at the pay-per-view will be rushed. Because no one was set up for Roman before he left. So whatever they do next will be rushed, even though the pay-per-view's in two or three weeks. It's kind of a problem. But I'd rather have him on the show defending than not at all. So we'll see tomorrow. Um, I would prefer AJ or Bobby specifically. But again, we'll find out uh, following the tournament matches. Because I don't think either of them are, are going to crown Jewel for the championship. And I'll get to that prediction in a moment. But to finish off Backlash, Cody and Brock. Um, I actually like this match. Now, if you didn't, I don't blame you. But personally, I don't know how long this went. But it felt different. A slightly different version of a Brock Lesnar match. The Brock matches that I'm, I'm talking about are like, finisher, 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 spam. Uh, Brock dominates. And then he either wins or loses, whatever. The Omos match was that at WrestleMania. The Bobby match is worth that. A lot of his matches are that. A lot of the Roman matches are that. Maybe I was watching a different show. I, I didn't feel this match followed that same formula. You get what you get with Brock at this point, for better or for worse. But I actually thought they did a good job of switching up the formula with Cody, getting the upper hand early, busting Brock open. The blood, intentional or not, definitely added to it in my opinion and uh Cody looked competitive. He wasn't just in there getting his ass kicked for for 10 minutes, which is what I thought might happen. And they would tell the story, "Oh, Cody's down on his luck. He's got to battle the uh, you know, adversity," which would be bullshit. Yes. So thank oh, fucking dumb. Thankfully they did not do that and Cody did win, albeit not decisively, which I honestly did not have an issue with at all. Um I thought this was a better finish than what we got with it, it reminded me of Liv and, and Ronda from SummerSlam last year. I didn't even hate that one at the time, and I don't even hate it overly now. I thought this was better than that because it was pretty clear how Cody won. I mean, him running away afterward it was kind of dumb. Um, other than that, though, I like this because Brock was protected in defeat. It set up the need for a rematch. Cody didn't lose. I thought Brock might win, but, the, I mean, I would prefer to know contest, but you're not going to close the show that way. I mean, we can we can say now, Bad Bunny and Damon pretty sure to close the show, not this. That was far better, but this was still good. And I think they can have a better match, hopefully, if it was more, if it's more competitive and intense and no DQ, whatever, and now of champions. Um, I actually quite liked what they did here to close out the show. I didn't love it, but I didn't think it was as bad of a finish or as bad of a match as other people made it out to be. I
2: thought it was pretty good. Like you said, I think it wasn't the greatest match I've ever seen, but I, like you said, I think it was better than the normal spamming of finishers and kicking out and stuff like that. I thought it was like a more closer to a normal match than what Brock's used to. So I thought it was fine. Like you said, I think I liked it. it. It was, I mean, it was like pretty much the same setup as the Liv Rana, but the be- the only the better part was that Cody didn't tap out. Like Liv tapped out. Yeah, and I, exactly.
0: I, I do. And agree then it, with it made her look
2: like a loser. Like if Cody tapped out and then like they just gave him the win, and then it made, made Cody look like an idiot. Like it made her look weak, like what it made Liv look like. So I'm glad that he he didn't tap out. And then, like, like, yeah, he got, like, a lucky win, but at least he didn't lose. Like, like you said, the problem with the lid was, like, she tapped up before she pinned Ronda, but they didn't see it. So it was mm-hmm. like, well, she technically lost, and then basically lost all her momentum, and then she, people were pulling her and shit, so.
0: <laughs> and why, why would she tap if she was pinning Ronda, and she saw the three-count being made? That also was very dumb, but whatever.
2: The pain was too much. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I thought it was fine. I mean, was it the greatest match I've ever seen? No, but I thought it was good. Cody winning was the right but I think we both thought Brock would win. But I think the right—I think we both said that the right decision would have been to have Cody win. and Just keep going, like you said, the whole chase and adversity, like just dumb. So I'm glad he won. Um, we're gonna get him and S- Brock at night of champions. Probably some kind of no DQ, some kind of stipulation. So we'll see. I think it'll be good. Cody should win again. Mm-hmm. I. I don't know if he's going after Roman, so I'm not even going to say that. Or he's going to win Money in the Bank. I'm not really sure what's going on with him, but um, I, I would have him win again.
0: I, I I agree. I mean, I wouldn't completely hate the idea of Brock winning if the idea is to do a rubber match. I don't think necessarily this feud needs to go another month or two. I mean, we don't even know why Brock attacked him, and they've even made a joke about that. It's it's fucking dumb. I mean, why should people care if we don't even know why the feud's happening? Um, like from a storyline standpoint. You can have Brock win, and then it's like, okay, do you do a third one at Money in the Bank? I guess, but then it's like Cody's not in Money in the Bank at that point. I mean, even if he doesn't win Money in the Bank, he should be in Money in the Bank. I mean, currently he's the front winner to win the whole fucking thing. He should probably be in it, especially since he couldn't be in it last year. So I would have him in that match and win it. Even if he doesn't win it, he should be in the match. I would have him beat Brock twice. No one has ever beaten Brock. I mean, people have beaten Brock twice in a row. Goldberg did it at uh, WrestleMania 20, then again at Survivor Series 2016, in, in a row, those were Goldberg's last match and first match, and then he lost to him at WrestleMania. But like I said, Brock then offends, He then avenged that loss. Uh, very few people beat Brock twice in a row. Almost nobody beats Brock. I don't think anyone has ever beaten Brock and then not gotten their win back. Aside from Drew, I think, Drew beat Brock and Brock never got his win back. That might be the only one where I don't think he ever got... Even Bobby. I mean, he beat Bobby at Crown Jewel a couple months later. So, Brock always gets his win back. I hope he doesn't in this case. Uh, And Drew only beat him once. Cody could beat him twice. So, we'll see what happens at the pay-per-view. The promo to set it up on Raw was not good. Um, But we are getting the rematch at Night of Champions. So, to close off the back last chapter here, we already talked about the crowd, but I'll, I'll ask you this. And WWE posed the same question on Twitter the other day. I think the PLEs in, in these other countries are not, I mean, Puerto Rico's in another country. It's in the U.S. obviously, so obviously, not to sound fucking dumb, but like in, in non-typical U.S. cities. We're not back in Chicago again. We're not back in Boston and California and whatever. Great times. I loved being a Mania for L.A. You know, we were at Survivor Series. Great time, blah, blah, blah. Philly, I was there for Extreme Rules. Fun time. But, you know, they're in Puerto Rico right now. They're going to be in Saudi again, which the last couple Saudi shows have not been bad, so I can't really complain too much. They'll be in Saudi Arabia for that show in a couple of weeks. They'll be in London for Money in the Bank in July. You know, back to the U.S. city of Detroit for SummerSlam. You know, I've heard about Australia being pitched for a a PLE at some point. I don't know if it would be later this year or next year, probably next year. But I feel like that would be cool. They were there for uh, Super Showdown, I think five years ago uh, were they in Australia. So to go back there for a bigger show, a more consequential show would be cool. AEW going to London for all in. Uh, You love to see it. So uh, just kind of your thoughts and the continued trend of going outside of the box. You know, we were in Montreal for Chamber. Amazing time. Clash of the Castle, one of the best shows they've done probably ever, at least in the last couple of years. In Cardiff, amazing time. I'm glad they're finally going outside of their comfort zone and doing shows at different times, not worrying, oh, it's going to start at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Like, I'm glad they're not really worrying about that now. Uh, maybe it was a pay-per-view thing, and now they don't care, now that they're on Peacock. I don't know, but it, it's about time. I hope that's not another 18 years before they're back in Puerto Rico. I'd be surprised if, if they were. I'm sure they'll be back next year for another show, if not Backlash again. Um, you know, something in, in Japan, I feel like, would be cool, like Beast in the East several years ago. Or, like I said, Australia would be nice. Yeah, just want to kind of kind of get your thoughts on the PLEs being outside of the uh, typical U.S. cities and where you want to see them next.
2: Yeah, no, I think it's nice. I mean, I think I think it all really depends on the city. I feel like normally, like Boston, Barclays, there are crowds in the United States that are get up like they're like pretty much their go-to markets in the United States, and I feel like they usually give the best crowds and stuff like that. And I'm not just saying it because I'm in the Northeast, but I feel like they do usually have better crowds than other places do. Um, but like you said, I also feel like going outside the united states it kind of gives you like i said how can i miss you if you don't go away like if we have a pay-per-view and mass shoots every year it's not as special so um i think with these markets you kind of see that like, like you said they haven't had a a, a, a sub-sequential show in in puerto rico in almost 15 years so yeah they're going to get up for it they also booked the card pretty well too like i said they had a lot of talent that were some kind of either puerto rican descent from puerto rico so definitely helped there um but no, I I think if they, like, Montreal was amazing. Like, besides, I don't know, when was the last time before that they were in Montreal, like, for a big show? Like, yeah, they probably had some Raws, but besides, like... God,
0: 2009, I think they were there for Breaking Point, I'm pretty sure. Exactly.
2: So there's was almost, almost 15 years since they had a pay-per-view besides just Ross. So, like, that was a great crowd, but, like, you said the story was there, too, with Sammy. But, like, even if they went to, like, Toronto and had, like, a big crowd in Toronto, I feel like, that, I mean, that's, like, a old-school big wrestling town like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess Detroit's pretty close, so... I feel like they'll kind of get a little bit of both for for SummerSlam. Like they'll get some of the Toronto people with Detroit because Detroit used to be pretty big too. So, mm-hmm. um, like you said, I think Australia would be big. Um, I mean, if they think, I think if they went to like Germany and stuff, would be pretty big. But I mean, it just like I said, it's more the fact that not to us. I want to like, yeah, I want them to come every year. But it was also one of those things. Like I said, how can I miss you if you don't go away? So yep. if you have a pay per view every month, it's just not as special. And I think you get that with those crowds, but also just picking and choosing the correct crowd also helps, like, the crowd on Monday was absolutely abysmal, mm-hmm. uh, in and Jacksonville, I mean, I thought it'd probably be better, but the, it was really bad. Um, yeah, and uh, the show wasn't know, good, but, I but still, I mean, they were,
0: they were pretty quiet.
2: So, no, I, I think Australia would be a cool one, like you said, Japan would be pretty neat, um, maybe, like, one of those other Eastern or Central European countries, like, they're going to London, but, like, Germany would be pretty cool, or Maybe somewhere in Italy would be pretty cool. So, I think one of those European countries, to Toronto, like I said, Toronto, I guess they're kind of doing that with Detroit, but actually going to Toronto would be pretty cool since they haven't gone there with a big show since, like, mm-hmm. WrestleMania 19, 18, 17? I, I, I think they were
0: there for SummerSlam five years ago, I'm pretty sure. Or four yeah, years they were ago, just
2: only Yeah, they were there at, like, just a little arena, but they did, like, yeah. the Rogers Center again. So mm-hmm. that'd be
0: pretty cool. Yeah. No, no, Montreal was amazing. Doing something again in Canada has got to be on their list. I mean, that was... That was a great time, and they make the most of it, too. I'm sure Triple H knew as soon as they booked that show, we're doing something with Sammy there. Like, as soon as they booked this backlash show, they knew we're doing something with Bad Bunny there. I mean, they announced that he'd be hosting, but we said it at the time, we said it a couple months ago when they announced this, he will wrestle on the show, and obviously he did. So um, it, it's pretty cool. Like, Drew being in the main event of Cardiff, how could he not be, you know, for Clash? Uh, Gunter or Sheamus also being on that show. So they're, they're doing a real good job of making the most and maximizing these markets, and it's made for some of their... Honestly, this is probably the strongest string of PLE's pay-per-views that WWE, I don't want to say has ever done, but at least done in a fucking years. Honestly, like, I, I can't remember the last time in the last five or ten years. I mean, COVID fucked everything up, but before that, I mean, their pay-per-views, some of their pay-per-views were good, some were great, but consistently, I mean, again, you can say one thing about the weekly TV shows, Raw is typically pretty abysmal. SmackDown can be good most weeks. Um, the pay-per-views I'm talking about. Same thing with Dynamite, too, but I'm talking about with WWE. And their pay-per-views since Triple H took over have either been good, if not great, if not outstanding. I mean, it, it, it really is kind of crazy to see how great the last couple of shows have been and how much better they can continue to be in the next couple of months. So we'll see if uh, Net of Champions can continue that trend, can continue the trend, rather, in Saudi Arabia later on in the month. Um, talking about Raw real quick, not a lot happened, kind of a boring follow-up show, not a real exciting way to, uh, kick off your new era of of Raw with the new rosters, but the real focal point of the show was the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament, which we found out over the weekend, uh, will consist of Raw and SmackDown people, fucking dumb, makes no sense. I know they want more star power in it, but it's like, listen, if someone from SmackDown wins, they haven't said this, but I assume they go to Raw, it's still stupid, Um, And Raw has enough people to where I think they could have filled this out just fine. Again, whatever. Um, But we did see Rollins advance over Priest and Nakamura in one triple threat on Monday. Followed by Balor beating Cody with the help of Brock. And uh, The Miz in the other triple threat. And then Rollins beating Balor out of Revenge from SummerSlam 2016 to advance to the finals. We've been saying for weeks since they announced the World Heavyweight Championship. Rollins will be, should be, could be, would be, everything. The World Heavyweight Champion. And uh, it looks like we're on the fast track that happening. So, your thoughts in the tournament, uh, from what we've seen so far. Now, do you remain confident in your pick that Rollins is walking out of Crown Jewel, the inaugural World Heavyweight Champion?
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say. I mean, unless they want to swerve us for the sake of a swerve, I think at this point it's Rollins or Boss, I think. But uh, uh, I thought, like you said, I think the. I think I would have switched Miz with like Braun probably like I like the Miz I guess but like he hasn't done anything of newsworthiness ever in like mm-hmm. the last couple of years I think Braun would have made more sense There's like he's still a former world champion whatever um, but I guess we didn't get that but no I, I think the matches itself were good I think like you said besides that the show was kind of just I don't know if they were just trying to fe- feature a little bit newer talent like we got Dana Brooke Natalia, Zoe Stark I thought she had a pretty good Debut on Raw mm-hmm. or across. Like you said, the whole Dominic Mysterio New Day thing or Deke Xavier Woods specifically was just kind of there. But like you said, I don't know if it's just to kind of get more heat on Dom, keep on TV, introduce New Day. I'm not quite sure. But uh, I thought the, the title matches are good. I would, like I said, switch Strowman with The Miz. I just. I mean, The Miz has been in lately. Not his fault. This has been awful. Yeah. But I think if. I mean, the SmackDown, like, so the Smackdown involvement is dominant in a sense because, like you said, like if they win, they're just going to go to Raw. But, like, what, I think what would be a neat thing, which they definitely wouldn't do because it's too cool and a good idea, but, like, say that, like, Edge wins, which I don't think is going to happen. But, like, in sense, if Edge or someone on SmackDown wins, I think it would be pretty cool if they went to Raw and, like, SmackDown then was able to get, like, a traded person back. Like, oh, we got lost Edge.
0: Let's take Cody.
2: Let's take someone back. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but I think that'd be pretty cool. Like, that's like could kind of like make up for them losing someone. Like, oh yeah, we let them in the tournament, so we get someone at equal value. Or mm-hmm. like you said it could get Cody back, or get someone back in return. So I, I don't think it'll happen, but I think it'd be a cool twist to allowing SmackDown people in. It's like oh. Smackdown gets a trade back.
0: They have to make this clear. I mean, I'm just assuming here, but it would make no fucking sense for SmackDown to have three top titles, which they do by the way. They have not clarified that the world heavyweight or the uh, undisputed championship is one now, or if Roma's coming out with two belts, one belt, whatever. They need to make this clear that whoever wins from SmackDown, which they're not, but they need to make this clear that if they do, they go to Raw. And in theory, again, there's no GMs, which is even dumber. But if there were GMs, why the fuck would I let my people compete in a tournament where we don't even get the... Like, if they win it, then we lose that talent. I drafted Edge to my show on purpose. I don't want to lose him. Okay, fine. If you take my talent, then I'm fucking taking someone of equal value from your show. I mean, come on. You need to make these things clear. Um, They haven't done that, and they don't have GMs, so they probably don't care. But that would be no, a great idea. I agree. Idea. I
2: just think that would be a cool twist. I think it'd be, it'd be an really excellent twist.
0: Yeah, no, I just, I think it's, I'm, no, I'm, I completely agree with you. I'm just saying they don't give a fuck and I think it's embarrassing. They need to make this shit clear. It's stupid. It's stupid why they smacked them people would even be in it. But I digress. Uh, going off of that, I think, uh, it, it, honestly, you took the words out of my mouth. I think Edge wins on SmackDown this week. First of all, I think it's cool he's even wrestling on the show. Um, you know, he wrestled against Rollins on SmackDown and MSG a couple of years ago. He faced Austin Theory on Raw a few months ago. He faced Dominic Mysterio on Raw a couple of months ago. He faced Damian Priest on Raw in Toronto back in August or whatever it was. So he's he's been on TV a couple times lately. It's a, I don't think Edge is a part timer. Honestly, Edge is like a quarter timer. Like he he's around a lot more than people think. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. He'll be on the match in, in the matches on on Friday. But to go through it real quick, it's Edge, AJ and Ray, which. Should be great, but honestly, if that was like a that happened in like 2002, that would be beyond fucking unreal. I mean, that just I can't even describe how amazing that would be, but it should be a great match on Friday. The other match is Austin Theory, Bobby Lashley, and Sheamus, a bit more random. Theory is the only heel in the tournament and he's the United States champion. Like, listen. I love Sheamus. Could you not have plugged fucking LA Knight in there or carrying Cross even? I mean, especially LA Knight. I mean, that he won in the last match. It makes no sense. Um, talk to me, and no pun intended with LA Knight mentioning, uh, being referenced there. But you think Edge wins his, and then uh, I could see maybe Theory winning the other one. Bobby and Edge for the first time would be cool. I think it's probably going to be Edge and Theory. Edge getting his win back over Theory from a couple of months ago. And maybe we get AJ and Theory out of that somehow. I don't know, but um AJ going to the finals would be cool too I just think edge st- makes the most sense I don't know we got I feel like we got Rollins and AJ not too long ago we haven't had edge and Rollins in a little while since late 2021 also in Saudi Arabia and Rollins can beat edge which he did not do the last time they faced off so on pay-per-view I, I would have uh edge win the whole thing and then go on to face Rollins and then Rollins beats edge
2: yeah I mean I think uh, I think, I mean, I think Theory will win his. I think, like you said, he's the only heel, so it makes sense. But like I said, he could do two baby faces or someone's like a tweener. But I think you do like Theory wins his. Honestly, I think you have Theory win his first. And then like he costs Edge his triple threat and AJ wins. And then that's how you get Edge the Theory next. Okay. Um, And then you get AJ and Seth at not at, a at Champions. So I would do that. Um, I don't mind if Edge wins. But then like I said, then what do you do? Like,
0: well, you do could you do the, the exact idea and just reverse AJ and Edge.
2: Yeah, you can do that, and then you get AJ and Theory. Yeah, I kind of like that. Regardless, either one of those two wins faces Seth, loses LOL um, Mm -hmm. to Seth, and then we get the next Theory program out of that. So, like I said, you could have him cost them. Maybe they help, then he costs them, and then they cost him coming back, and that's how he loses to that said person so he doesn't lose clean. Uh, in the finals, or whatever you call these, semifinals, and then we get that next program for him. So, I'm done with that either guy. Uh, now that you say it, I guess I'd rather see AJ in theory. We haven't seen it yet. We've seen Edge in theory. I mean, it was a one-off, but I think Edge and, and Seth would be pretty cool at uh, Night of Champions.
0: Yeah, I mean, Seth has faced pretty much everyone on the SmackDown side. Him in theory had a million matches lately. He's faced Bobby a bunch of times. He and Edge had their whole feud. He and AJ have had a million matches. Him and Rey Mysterio have had a million matches. I don't think there's a single person in there, aside from maybe Sheamus, who I know he's also had a bunch of matches with, that Seth has not faced slash beaten. So, I mean, any one of them would be a good match, I think. Uh, I'm fine with really any of those options, but I do think Edge wins the whole thing. AJ would be great, too. I mean, Rollins walks that World Heavyweight Champion regardless, but I would agree. Um, SmackDown needs heels is another takeaway here. I look at this thing, I'm like, okay, cool. Hopefully, SmackDown, or a theory, can benefit from being on SmackDown to kind of go off what we were saying earlier. Like, what can you do with him to make him more important, give him an important feud? He's on a brand that has no fucking heels aside from Roman, so... uh, Just do more to spotlight Carrion in in LA Knight. I know SmackDown has other people that I'm not thinking of, but... I mean, Carrion just lost to Shinsuke, which is pretty stupid in retrospect, considering Shinsuke lost on Raw, and um, he got pinned anyway, so I would have just given the win to Carrion personally, but that's just me. And LA Knight just... To fucking push the guy. Uh, that was really it from Raw, Rhea Ripley kicking off a feud to Natalia. I can't under, I can't tell you the amount of apathy I have for Natalia at this point. Uh, nice as nice as hell woman, we talked to her over uh, Elimination Chamber weekend, could not give two fucks. And I'm sure that's the uh, Saudi match, cause Saudi has had Natalia on their show a bunch of times, but I just don't give a shit. So that is what it is. But, you know, Raw was kind of whatever. Uh, One last thing before we go off the air, and not a lot of AEW talk, but it was a pretty uh, significant show on Wednesday, you know, all in and an update from last week, doing uh, reportedly nearly 70,000 people. So completely smashing both of our numbers. If not 70, pretty close to 70, which is a a great number. Um, New deal, new TV deal being announced next week. We'll have a lot more to say on that front next week, so we'll save that for then. Uh, Dynamite, pretty big show last night. Miro and Thunder Rosa coming back. Uh, just real quickly want to touch no, uh, touch base on that with your thoughts on it. Uh, we haven't seen Miro, I think, since All Out in September. Uh, a lot of shit going on with him. Rosa, I heard today, is not clear. It is still very hurt. But they, I guess, probably just wanted to pop people. Or maybe she'll be an on-air presence. I don't really know. Obviously, this has a lot to do with Collision. So they're just going to put all the people that they uh, <laughs> apparently have backstage problems with. Andrade, I imagine, would be on that show. They'll all be on Collision, which is hysterical to join CM Punk. Uh, your thoughts on the returns of Miro and Rosa on Wednesday and where this could be going? Obviously, the announcement of Collision.
2: Like you said, I think it's mostly just for the announcement of Collision. So it was like Collision is going to be like all ex WWE people that don't get along with the AEW like originals? Or
0: I hate the idea of them just putting people that don't get along on the other show because that's bound to backfire eventually. It's so silly, but you know, whatever.
2: But no, I think, I, I mean, that's what I see. I mean, I like Miro. I thought Thunder Rosa was good for her time as champion. I just think it's just two more people you add to the list of already people that we already have that we're not doing anything with but like I said if they're going to collision i obviously rather get them on TV or some kind of hey they're here before you just start debuting on TV so I don't hate it but like I said I just think it's just another set of people that, that I think they're good I like them both actually um, but it's just like I said then it's just two more people to so divisions that like they're both kind of I would say they're in the mid card I would say both of them are I mean, Thunder's going after probably the the women's like it's the Jade belt, and then I, I mean, I guess I I totally forgot Hater was the women's champion until I kind of looked it up yesterday. So hmm. I mean, that's the whole social outcast original thing going on right now. Um, she doesn't get along with Britt Baker, so I assume she'll go to Collision. I guess Jade would go there too. I'm not quite sure. Um, but I would, I would yeah. put Jade
0: on Dynamite, considering if she's the TBS champion, she should probably be on TBS. And.
2: But she likes
0: CM Punk, though, so... Yeah, good point, but... I don't
2: know, I think I'd put her on... I think I'd put her on
0: Collision. Well, actually, but... speaking of which, do we know what channel it's airing on? Is it TBS? I know is on TNT. Do we know where it's going? I don't remember seeing I don't think that.
2: we know exactly yet.
0: Okay, I, it would probably be TBS, <laughs> but I could be wrong. Uh, it's gonna deal with preemptions. Um, listen, I think it's a great idea to have... If they're getting rid of the dark shows to have another show that's important, why not just make that Rampage? I have no fucking clue. Um, you know, we talked about it before. We'll see what happens. If, if Punk's on his way back, that could inject some interest into the product. Um, the all-in ticket sales are great—double or nothing. Not so much. We talked about it before we hit live. Before we went live here, six thousand tickets sold for a show in two weeks, and they did fourteen thousand last year. Kind of a problem. Uh, I don't know if it's the overexposure of markets or just the show isn't that exciting right now from week to week. I actually—I know you didn't agree, but I actually liked the show last night. Um, but it's just not consistent. That was the first time I've watched Dynamite close to live in a long time. Um, so, I don't know. They need to... There's still several stuff they need to work on, but we'll have more on the AEW front next week with the TV deals and whatnot being announced. But until then, Mr. Marston, new episodes every single Thursday, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. So, uh, like I said, not a big week next week. Stuff to talk about on the AW front. We have Double or Nothing and Battleground, which will very likely be it. I don't see why not in two weeks. So, next week it's kind of a down week and we'll just discuss what's going on in the world of wrestling. Um, let me know when you uh, go see Guardians because you never ended up going to see it, right, Mr. Marceau?
2: Yeah, I was supposed to go tonight, but I don't think we're going to go. And I think we're
0: going to go next weekend at ah, Okay, well, I'll get your two cents on it. If I don't get your two cents on it next week on the show, we'll discuss when I see you uh, in Lowell for uh, Battleground Weekend. Sounds good. Sounds good, brother. Have a great one. I'll talk to you soon. Later. Adios.